We're going to ask the ushers at this time that they would make their way this morning to receive this morning's tithes and offerings <coughs> together. Let's remain standing for prayer. Eternal Father, Lord, we love you and we glorify your name. Lord, we pray today, God, that you would be in our midst in this house today. Lord, we pray, God, that, Lord, as we get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, you would bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not. If there's someone here today who cannot give for whatever reason, Lord, we pray at some point in time you would bless them to be able to give. Lord, I pray today, God, that you would orchestrate the remaining portion of this service, every note that is sung, scripture that is read, song to be delivered, God. I pray, God, that every part of this service would bring glory and honor. be eternally grateful to you for all you have done for us. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Christ's name we pray. And the people of God said amen. Amen. Good morning. Okay, I'll speak into it. Good morning. You know, today starts our fast. And there's something that uh, I was reading my Bible and I said, you know, we ought to serve with gladness. So I went to Psalms 100 and it says, serve with gladness. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Truth. This is truth. All generations. Now, we have lots of people that are sick. Sister Barnes is not feeling well. I'd like to remember her in prayer. This morning, uh, our brother came in and said that there's a little girl by the name of Jennifer works at Walgreen and came up to him and asked for prayer. Uh, you've got to understand that when somebody's willing to come up to a stranger and ask for prayer, that we need to honor that. And the Lord would answer that and brings one more soul into his presence. So for all those that are sick this morning, let's remember them. Those that are traveling, let's pray we'll remember them and be with them. And remember that he is expect that our an answer. Just not pray. Save your breath. I expect an answer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this wonderful day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everything you have done for us. We thank you for the lesson of the sower this morning, Lord. Pray that we can help and be those people who go out and multiply and become fruit. That we can bear more fruit for others. Lord, those that are sick this morning, I pray you'll be by their bedside. Touch them, Lord, and lift them up. For those that are traveling, I pray you'll keep traveling mercies around them and keep your angels round about them. For those that have a need that's not specific this morning, Lord, you know the need. Pray that you will touch them and lift them up and keep them. For this young lady, Lord, that sought somebody out for prayer, be with her and keep her, Lord. And whatever the need is, I pray that you will answer it quickly. Lord, there are so many needs in the congregation. I pray that you will be with each of them and keep them and lift them up. Sister Barnes, touch her, Lord. You know the need in her body. Lord, I pray that you will continue to abide with us in the service today. Touch our pastor that he will give us the word you would have us to hear. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning because without him we can do nothing. And this song, you've heard me sing it once, I know, not twice. I'd rather have Jesus. That should be our prayer today. Starting off a new year, a few days ago, that should be our desire and our heart, being more like him. Appreciate the pastor and his fine group here. It's a blessing to have musicians. We don't have musicians at Oak Road. We have CDs, and uh, it's just a blessing to be able to sing with them. You, you worship with us this morning.
stand all over the house again this morning. Let's join back in together and worship together. Holding 
just the voices. Can we sing that together? For you, worthy of our praise forever, you alone. You're seated, seated on the throne of heaven, glorified. voices let's sing like that one more time just the voices we sing you you are worthy worthy of our praise forever you alone are seated on the throne of heaven glorify glorify you alone oh that is our prayer today is that we glorify the name of jesus on the very first Sunday of this new year, God, I don't think of a better thing we can do than to be in your house to glorify you alone. To glorify the name above every name. To lift up the name of Jesus so that he is high lifted up and draws all men unto himself. Father, as we get ready here in just a moment to break the bread of life, words that are to be spoken be not. God, I don't want to be seen or heard, but I want you to be seen and heard today. And I will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all the people of God together said, Amen. 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 You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. It's just a couple things before we jump right into the message. If you're, at the church, if you're a part of the church of God, you know that every uh, year, the first of the year, they always have what they call... The uh, Declaration of Faith Sunday, which is what um, today is and, and is a part of today. And so I want to uh, make sure that I make mention of that. And I'm going to, uh, here momentarily, uh, I'm going to play a, a video uh, here for you. Um, and it will have some sound. But I just want you to kind of know uh, about who you are, where you've come from. And just who we are. So I'm going to ask you this time if you'll just look at the screen just for a moment. The Declaration of Faith. 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 The Church of God believes the whole Bible to be completely and equally inspired. And that it is the written word of God. The Church of God has adopted the following Declaration of Faith. As its standard and official expression of its doctrine. We believe in the verbal inspiration of the Bible. In one God eternally existing in three persons. Namely, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father. Conceived of the Holy Ghost. And born of the Virgin Mary. That Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. That he ascended to heaven and is today at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that repentance is commanded of God for all. And necessary for forgiveness of sins. That justification, regeneration, and the new birth are wrought by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. In sanctification, subsequent to the new birth through faith in the blood of Christ through the word and by the Holy Ghost. Holiness to be God's standard of living for his people. In the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Subsequent to a clean heart. In speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And that it is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In water baptism by immersion. And all who repent should be baptized. In the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Ghost. Divine healing is provided for all in the atonement. In the Lord's Supper and washing of the saints' feet. In the premillennial second coming of Jesus. First, to resurrect the righteous, dead, and to catch away the living saints to him in the air. Second, to reign on the earth a thousand years. In the bodily resurrection. Eternal life for the righteous. And eternal punishment for the wicked. As you know, we are every year, we are, we enter into a time of prayer and fasting and consecration. Twenty-four, which is simply a twenty-one day journey of of asking God to make Himself more relevant and His presence more surreal in our lives. On our website, you can find plenty of resources under the resource tab. Uh, it has all kinds of prayer guides for the day, each day. It also has uh, what is fasting, how to fast, where, how do I start fasting. There are different ways you can fast. Not everyone has to follow the same thing. But we do believe, and still as the Church of God and as well as this local congregation, we still do believe in the power of Pentecost and that God is still on the throne and He's still worthy of all praise and glory. And it's only Him that sustains us through this thing called life. And because of that, I have also been impressed by the Lord to, on Monday nights, hold 7 o'clock on the January 8th, the 15th, and 22nd through this three weeks of prayer and fasting, what we're going to call Divine Encounter 2024. We're going to have what we call Monday night prayer service. They'll look a little different than our Nehemiah on Wednesday. There'll be a little bit of singing just here or there, just a song here or there that we'll sing together. At the end of the day, the goal is for us to come as the body of Christ and call. The Bible says, I think it's in the book of Isaiah, and, and forgive me, I, I don't remember right off the top of my head the passage, but the, but the prophet looked up to heaven and he prayed this prayer. He said, oh Lord, that you would rend the heavens and you would come down. And that is what our prayer is as a staff, as a leadership of this church. Look, I want to see prodigal sons and daughters come home. People that are in your family that used to love Jesus and had a heart for Jesus but are not where they are. I want to see them come to know Jesus. Even if it's not in this church, I want them to go to somebody's church and get back to Jesus and find their way back to Jesus. I want to see teenagers baptized with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues with a heavenly language. Most of you that are in this room, a large portion of you in this room, I know personally, you've been church of God. You know what it means to be infilled by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't you want your children and your grandchildren and your future great-grandchildren to experience what Jesus has done in your life? That's what I'm believing God for. I'm believing God to send us more workers. I'm believing God's going to send us youth and children workers and other things. I'm praying for God to send us young families that have, have newborns and, and, and young adults that, that have life to help us carry on this mission. Because I understand some in this building, their age is, is, is holding them back to a certain degree. But I, I want God to send us some, some Caleb's that have a different kind of spirit in them. That are ready to go conquer mountains. and are ready to fight the enemy. And are ready to see God do great and mighty things. I'm tired of going to dead church. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of going to other people's dead churches. Not, I'm just, I go to other churches sometimes and sit there and think, my God, I wasted my time coming here. Not because I don't love Jesus, because it was, I felt like I went to a funeral service. It felt like it was depressing. I, if I wanted to be depressed, I wouldn't come to church. I could stay home and do that. I want to come to church to worship, to exhort one another, and to not forsake the assembling of myself, and, and to grow in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I want to worship, and when we sing a cappella, you, O oh Lord, are worthy of the praise. I want to hear the angelic host of heaven singing alongside side of us. I want to see God come down in the room. I 
want to see people be able to just worship the Lord and the freedom and the beauty of holiness. I'm tired of just going to church to say I did. I want to come meet God when I come to church. That's what I want to come to church for. In that moment, and so for the next three Mondays, I'm not coming into this building to give you a motivational pep talk each Monday. There may be some folks that lead a devotion here or there. But we're going to have different folks throughout the course of these next three days, these next three Mondays. That will help us lead concentrated prayer. Someone will be standing probably up here in the center. And lead a concentrated prayer. Yeah sure we'll pray for the country. Yeah sure we'll pray for you know local needs. But we're praying for the church. Because the Bible said judgment begins not at the courthouse. Not at the White House. It begins at God's house. And if we don't get it right the world will never get it right. God's got to get his church back right before he can worry about the world right now. So that's what we're going to do. And because of that, we have an am amazing opportunity today to host a winter camp meeting style service with our general overseer of the Church of God, Dr. Tim Hill, a world-renowned songwriter, prolific songwriter, many recording artists, gospel music recording artists, Southern Gospel have recorded his songs. People like the Spear family, the Hoppers, others have sang his songs that he penned and he wrote. Songs like he's still in the fire, in the midst of it all, it will rain again, the list goes on and on. But tonight, he will be in service with us, not only, I'm sure he will sing, but, but to bring the word. If you've never heard him preach, he has recently preached at, uh, at Pastor Tommy Bates' church in Independence, Kentucky. He has preached for Pastor Jimmy Swaggart and Donnie Swaggart in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's leaving out of here and going to Texas to be a part of a, of a Pentecostal conference uh, called uh, Agree 24, I mean Agape 24. Uh, he's going to be all over the world traveling and speaking. Um, tonight's going to be a little chaotic. There are going to be a lot of people probably that are coming. People have already called. They've already asked about coming. And obviously we're going to do our best to accommodate. We're going to have overflow rooms. We're going to do everything we can. If you want to be in the main house, you better come before 545. I'm, I, don't can't, I can't tell you what time. But 545 will be packed. I can just promise you. But he's coming. And I'm not coming. I, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was sending them a text message because they were asking me what time service starts. I'm not coming to church tonight to impress the general overseer. I'm securing my job. I don't need his approval. I don't work for him. I work for God. I don't, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I don't give a flip what Cleveland thinks about us down here because I don't really care what they're doing up there because half the time I don't like what they're doing. That's not my goal. I'm coming to church tonight with the anticipation of experience, hoping, hoping and believing and praying for an anticipation of God's Holy Ghost to show up in this house and to sweep this room. And I didn't, I'm not coming to church just because I want to be able to shake hands with the general overseer and say, hey, you know, when the next big church comes available, you remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord? No, I don't give a flip. I'm probably going to take him to Huddle House, which is the jankiest place in town to probably eat, just so he can meet my outreach ministry partner named Debbie tonight after church is over, just to show him we're in the highways and byways compelling him to come. I'm not here to impress him. I'm not taking him to a Hall's Chop House, but I am coming to hopefully see God impress his spirit upon my heart and upon my life and upon this place. And so if you're coming tonight, please come with an advance. I'm going to ask those that can, a part of our church, to park on the pad as much as possible. We're going to do our best to try to work with well, a little bit of a field. We don't have a lot, but a little bit of a field that we have that's not submerged. But for all most of us that can, if you can carpool or if you don't carpool, please park to first towards Children's Church that way so that we can at least free up some of these spots because it's going to get a little hectic around here. We have ushers, Brother Jordy uh, um, and Brother um, Parker and others are going to be out there directing traffic. They're going to help us do the best we can. We've got uh, uh, security on standby. We've got a lot of people helping us, but today's going to be a special day. But come not to impress the overseer. If you come tonight just because you want to shake hands with Dr. Hill and buy a product off his table and feel like you've touched the hands of God, please stay home. Don't ruin it for the rest of us. I don't want some negative Nancy to ruin the atmosphere of the room. 
I, I love Dr. Hill. I've had the opportunity to serve with him in various places. But I can promise you he would much rather come and have church than you'd be impressed by his notoriety of who he is of Cleveland, Tennessee. Let's come and have church. Let's don't worry about who it is. Let's come about and start worshiping whose we belong to and worship him. The last two or three days I have been very uh, limited sleep with various things. We've been working on computer diagnostics and various things. A couple of weeks ago, last week, I launched a sermon series entitled Crave. And for the next few moments and for the next couple of weeks during this fast, this is, this is my motto for the next 21 days. I know we call it divine encounter, but I'm hungry for more of God. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I love God with all my heart. I told my wife last night, I love God. I'm not satisfied with where I am with God. Not because I'm, I'm lost. I believe there's more I haven't tasted and seen. The Bible said, taste and see the Lord, He is good. I think there's so much more of God I haven't even tapped into yet. I'm hungry for more. I, I want to be able to, and it's not, for, it's not for my selfish ambitions, but I want to be able to pray the prayer of faith, Brother James, and people get healed from sickness right there when we lay their hands on them. Not because of me, but by the power of God that was in, in our lives. I want when someone like Brother Barnes comes in today with back problems or, or Sister Mary a couple uh, months back when she told us that she was battling cancer. I want when we pray, God heals right then. We don't have to wait for five months, six months, six years. God heals right then because the power of God's in the room. I want God to do more, exceedingly abundantly more. Than my mind can think or comprehend. So I begin thinking about that. And I do believe with all my heart I'm going to be punctual on time. Because there's a lot of people that have to get back and do things. I'm going to preach as fast as I can. And as effective as I can. If we have to pick up part two we will. But I want to really, really, really emphasize a message to you today. That I have, I have felt God. It, my wife even last night. We went out to eat last night. And. And she said, don't you have to finish studying? I said, Stud yeah, I do have to finish studying. I don't even know where I'm starting right now. <laughs> so, I, but I'm not finishing studying. I got to start it. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I've been in my office all week. I've been praying about it. I've been thinking about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm at a, one of those fogs. Like, I, I know that we're about fasting and prayer. And I don't know why. Last night, she said, well, I got to look at my, over my children's church material and different things. And so she was looking at all that. Ended up falling asleep with the computer in her lap. And I had to move it so it didn't fall off. I went back to my desk or my computer and began to just, I started typing. And I was like, no. And I went, this is going to sound crazy. Most of you know I preach with an iPad. And I love iPads. They're easy. You just scroll them up. You just keep reading your material, whatever. But my grandfather, he used old-fashioned notebook paper when my grandfather used to preach. He didn't have iPads. He had, just, he had a big old Phineas Dake 45-pound study Bible he carried around. It looks like it was lifting weights than the Word of God. He wrote on notes, and I began to try to type on my computer, and I couldn't, I, I just, it wasn't coming together. So I grabbed a pen off the table. I grabbed a piece of paper, and I just started writing. Now, thankfully, these are not 8 and a half by 11. They're short pages. But 10 pages later, I probably won't get all 10 pages. I believe God spoke to my heart. This is almost like if you're reading my memoirs or my journal. Consider yourself blessed because I don't let people even know where my journals are. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 6. For time's sake, I'm going to scroll down. and It starts in verse 25, but we're going to scroll down to verse 32 and pick up from there. For all these things the Gentiles seek, and we'll talk about in a minute what it was they were seeking... For your heavenly Father knows everything that you need. 
God already knows. You do realize when you pray and fast, you're not telling God something that's going to catch him off guard. He already knew it. It's just getting your, your vision focused on him. If you know anything about it, and we're going to keep reading here in a moment, but you know anything about Matthew chapter 6, it's sandwiched in between Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 7. It's a part of the great sermon on the mount. And in this particular section, Jesus is talking about worry. That's what he's talking about with the Gentiles. They're worried about how they're going to have clothes and how they're going to have food and how they're going to have raiment, how they're going to, how they're going to be able to make a living. They're worried about all the, the, fril, the thrills and frills and, and what we call day-to-day living. They're worried about daily living. Jesus says, that's what the Gentiles seek. But your Heavenly Father already knows you need a house. Your Heavenly Father already knows you need food. Your Heavenly Father already knows you need clothes. He knows what you need. But what you should do instead is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things, what are all these things? Well, everything that started in verse 25. The grass of the field are clothed with dew, so your Heavenly Father knows you need food. He knows you need water. He knows you need life. He knows you need a house to live in, clothes to wear. All these other things you've been worried about will be added to you. You'll still have clothes. You'll still have food. You'll still have provision. But if you seek the kingdom, that's what fasting and prayer is designed to do. God, nothing else matters to me but seeking you first. That's why I push the plate aside. That's why I push the coffee aside. That's why I push desserts aside. That's why we push away television or we push away those things so that we say, God, nothing else matters right now. But I seek you first because you'll take care of the rest of the problems. I seek you first. Therefore, don't worry. About tomorrow, tomorrow will bring its own set of problems. You know what? You're on January the 7th, Sunday, 2024, and here you cannot worry about January 8th because January 8th will bring a different set of problems. Don't worry about it. They'll tell you sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Eternal Father, help me to preach your word today to this people. Hide me behind the cross. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us not be hearers and doers, but doers of this word. Christ's holy and precious name we pray. People of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you just for a few moments on the idea of how to develop spiritual taste buds. How to develop spiritual taste buds. As children, you grew up. Well, some of us are just grown-up children. (laughs) I don't feel like I've ever officially grown up. I just grew up. Like in terms of my body, but as a person, I, I, and somewhat growing out, but I never actually grew up in terms of anything else mentally. I'm still stuck somewhere around a 14-year-old kid in my head. I still think I can play basketball and run marathons, except I realize that I need a lot more Bengay and ace bandages. Things are a lot different than they were back in the day. I'm rubbing BioFreeze on like somebody would be rubbing petroleum jelly to keep their skin from cracking. We grew up as children learning the mystery of something we have come to eventually understand called taste buds. Even babies who do not know how to convey the word taste buds can let you know real quickly if they like something or they don't just by putting it on their tongue. These taste buds are receptors. Your tongue is full of thousands of these receptors and they perceive what scientists have called the five basic qualities of taste. They are, you can tell if something is sweet, something is salty, something is sour, something is bitter, 
or coming from the Japanese word unami, it's savory, meaning you can tell like in broths, like, like beef broths and chicken broths, you can taste the savoriness of it. Yeah, you can taste the other things, but there's a, that fifth one is more of a savory kind of thing. And on your tongues, not every part of your tongue can differentiate. The sides of your tongue cannot, they, they might be over-responsible for one set of taste. center of your tongue you'll forget you got a sour patch because you can't taste the sour because those perceptors are not in tune to recognizing the texture and the the content of sour if you eat something real salty let's say the center of your tongue is the salt mechanism if you put something real salty in the center of your tongue if you move it to the side of your mouth you won't other than your saliva moving around the top of your tongue you'll never feel it on the side of your tongue because they can't perceive salt Whatever the different parts of it, for time's sake, I'm not going to go through it, but whatever, each section of your tongue, you can move things around your tongue and discover new flavors and tastes by where it sits in proximity to the preceptor of your tongue. The average tongue has about 10,000 taste buds in it. 10,000. And your taste buds go through a regeneration every two weeks. Every two weeks you get 10,000 new ones. Every two weeks. Think about that. The older you get, unfortunately, the less taste buds you get because you're not as young to reproduce cells like you used to be. The older you get, you go from 10,000 to somewhere between two to 4,000 and they don't change bi-weekly. The older you get, they change weekly. Every week, you get a new set of two to 4,000 taste buds the older you get. That is why some weeks you can try something and two weeks later try it and go, God, I like that. I don't, I don't even like this. It's gross. I've personally experienced that. I went and ate at places and I've ordered a meal, Brother Malaria, and I ate. I raved around. Oh, that's the best meal I've ever had in my life. She's like, you only think that because we're in some podunk, God-forsaken, dilapidated building that DHEC wants to close down. And I'm like, but it's so good. We'll go two weeks later. I'll buy the same thing. And I always make the excuse, must be the cook. Anybody ever use that one? Well, they must have got new management. They must have got a new cook, whatever. Like, it might, I don't know, maybe. But maybe. But I went back and tried it and go, God. And she'll look at me and she'll be like, well, last time you raved, how wonderful it was. And I was like, well, today it's not fit me. You know why? Because my taste buds have all went under a regeneration. A regeneration of, of those perceptors. That's why some weeks you can crave something. In other weeks, you'll taste it. I've, I've personally craved something before, and then when I got it, I didn't even like what I craved. I was craving it, and I've been wanting it, been wanting it, and I finally got it, and when I put it in my mouth, I go, I don't want this. After all that work. Because my taste buds have to not match. They regenerate. Can I tell you, it's the same way spiritually. Our lives, what we call, we call sanctification. Sanctification, as we talked about, it, it was, it was, it was uh showed on the video about the declaration of faith that the church of God still believes in a sanctification and the cleaning of a pure heart and having your heart cleaned and pure. I believe sanctification, that's what sanctification does. Sanctification is daily helping my spiritual taste buds regenerate so that I'm regenerating for the appetites of heaven. I'm regenerating to the things God wants me to think about. I'm wanting not to taste the tastes of sin, but I'm wanting to taste the bread of life. I want to be in tune with the Spirit of God. Sanctification helps me to develop spiritual taste buds. A new appetite, a new craving. Spiritually speaking, we go, through we go through seasons of desiring different things. There is pleasure in sin for a season. We're launching a 21-day fasting. 
Over the course of the next three weeks, I, be, I will guarantee you, I will put everything I have with the help of the Lord on my side. And I believe I'm not putting the Bible said, old taste and see the Lord is good. And, and, and the Bible talks about you can try the Lord and, and prove that he, he can be found good and faithful. I believe with all my heart, with the backing of the Holy Spirit, if you are willing to take a chance on going on a three-week journey with us in prayer and fasting, I guarantee you in three weeks you will see your spiritual taste buds taste different. You'll see things different in your life. You'll have new perceptions. You'll have new realities. You will see God in a different light. You see, after three weeks, you'll be more perceptive to the words in the bread of heaven rather than the desires of the bread of man. You will hunger and thirst after righteousness because only when you hunger and thirst after righteousness are you truly filled. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. For they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. How do you discover these taste buds? How do they come about? Well, I thought of three Bible characters. I'm going to preach through them really quickly and effectively. And, and if I have to stop, we'll pick back up next week. The very first guy I thought about was a guy by the name of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, you're going to find an interesting story. Jacob, his name literally means the supplanter or the deceiver. He has learned how to scheme his way his whole life. And, in, and through that process, he's ticked off a lot of people. He's, he's ticked off his brother. He's had to leave his own mom and daddy's house and family and go live with, uh, with his uncle. His uncle has cheated him and schemed him. And, and the apple don't fall far from the tree. And, and Jacob's whole life has been nothing but trying to get by and get ahead by supplanting everybody around him. News travels to Jacob. That his brother Esau is en route. He's coming for him. Jacob fears the very last thing he remembers his brother saying. The last thing he remembered is Esau said, I will find him and I will kill him. It's the last thing Jacob remembers. Now that he hears Esau is coming, his first thought is, oh my God. I, I, I'm not going to be able to fight. I, I got children. I've got young children. He's going to come and wipe out my generation. He's not only going to kill me, but he'll destroy my family. He will take out a generation because I have ticked him off. That's what bitterness will do. If you don't get rid of bitterness over time, it will develop into toxic poison and you'll kill anything that stands in your way. You'll hold on to that bitterness so long that you'll start destroying people that you don't even intend to destroy, but you'll just be venomous and toxic, and the toxicity of that will cause you to destroy good people in the process. There are countless people that don't go to church right now because of the toxicity of other church people in that room. It's good preaching if you're not Church of God today, even though it's our declaration of faith. I'm sleep deprived, but feeling real good. Jacob doesn't know what to do. But Brother Larry, he realizes something. He needs some time to, to decompress, to think. They get to a brook, the brook of Jabbok, or in, in the Hebrew, Jabbok. They literally get to the brook and he sends his children and his wives across the brook. But he stays on this side of the brook all night long. If I were to send Brianna home after church tonight and say, I'll be home shortly. And then I say, on second thought, I don't show up till tomorrow morning when she wakes up. She's not going to be happy she stayed in that house by herself and I was alone. She was alone by herself and sent me and I was over here. I don't know if Jacob told them he was going to stay all night long, but he sent them over there. And if, if his wives, Leah and Rachel, were anything like Brianna was, the first question was, well, how long do you think you're going to be over there? 
And if Jacob said, oh, I'm just going to be here for a few minutes, well, they might have fallen asleep, but if they wake up the next morning and Jacob ain't there, they're not going to be happy because they, they thought you were coming home. While Jacob is over there, a man appears out of nowhere and on that side of the brook. They began a wrestling match back and forth. And the Bible says neither one prevailed all night long. It was back and forth. But at daybreak, oh, I love daybreak. I don't, I'm not one of those people that often sees the sunrise because normally I'm still dead when the sun rises. But I love when I wake up that the sun rose. I appreciate that he got up. I'm glad the sun doesn't work on my biological life. I'm glad he gets up when he's supposed to, so when I wake up, he's already there. I love the S. I love the S-U-N, and that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus is there even when I hadn't got there yet. That's what I love about Jesus. Daybreak is letting me know that while I went to bed at 1.30 last night, it was pitch black dark at 377 Decatur. There wasn't even a lot of stars out last night because of the overcastness of the skies. I love that when I woke up this morning, Sister Brenda, the S-U-N got up even before I got up. The S-U-N of the solar system got up to let me know that a new day had dawned. And it's a new beginning. And it doesn't matter how bad Saturday, J J January 6th was. Today was Sunday, the Lord's Day, January 7th. It was a new day. I'm so glad that the S-O-N of heaven, I'm glad that even when I'm walking through my night seasons and I'm row, row, rowing my boat gently down my streams and storms come into my life and he's on the mountain somewhere I'm glad in the middle of the night that the S-O-N walks on water and he gets on my boat and even when I don't know what's coming I'm glad the S-O-N still gets up every day. He's still sitting on the throne of glory. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession. I'm thankful that the Son of the living God is always in my tomorrow before I get to tomorrow. I'm thankful for that. Daybreak means there's a new day. So whatever you walked into today, you walked in with a bad marriage, you walked in with a bad family member, you walked in with a crisis, you walked in with crises, you, you walked in with challenges, you walked in with job demands. Whatever you walked into this room with today, can I tell you, today doesn't have to be the end, it can be the beginning. Today is the day of salvation. I can't help what happened yesterday, I can't help what happened on Friday, but God's got it tomorrow for He has plans for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. God will give you a tomorrow if you just seek him today. Today. They begin to wrestle. Daybreak comes. How do you develop a spiritual taste bud? The first thing is you got to be committed to it. You got to be committed. You know going on a 21 day of fasting and prayer ain't easy. That's hard. Hard work. I've already I started this morning you know obviously at 12 midnight I stopped. All food and drinks and everything, other than water, a little bit of water. Look, when I got into Sunday school this morning, and y'all all eating them donuts, I hated y'all. I spiritually had to pray through that. I just did. Most of you, I wanted you to choke. Not really, but I was feeling real rough right then. My kids, half the time, they're all asleep, all my Sunday school kids. 99 out of a 52-week Sunday of teaching Sunday school, 49 out of 52, they're unconscious. They just are. They got their phones plugged in. And they're like wrapped up in cocoons like butterflies trying to get out for the first time. They're all wrapped up. You only see their eyes. And most of them are closed and they're freezing. And it's the middle of summer and they're wrapped up in a blanket. I'm like, you're weird. Like, you know, they're all asleep. No, not today. They're all spry and festive. Riley decides she wants a bag of potato chips with a chocolate donut in my class. While we're teaching, she's just dipping her little salty chip 
licking the icing, scooping the icing and eating and just chomping away. Madison over there with her little Dr. Pepper. Everybody's drinking their little festive, you know, Mr. Randy's special cabinet back there. They all go get their little special drinks from Brother Randy's special cabinet. They're all living the dream. I'm sitting over there thinking, choke. <laughs> I didn't say that. I thought that. Right? Brother Larry, for the last, I can't tell you the last time I walked in that Sunday school classroom and got a chocolate donut. I'll sometimes get the apple fritter or I'll get one of the, you know, the, the Persian uh, cinnamon rolls. But I can't tell you the last time I got a chocolate donut. I probably haven't ate a chocolate donut from that class probably since probably early summer, if that. But today, you know what I wanted? I didn't want that cinnamon roll. I didn't see that, but I saw that chocolate donut. It was game on. Right? Fasting is not easy. Oh, I, I, I'm going to get in trouble, and, and I'm, I'm, I'll just pick up part two next week. But last year when we did the fast, Different folks, I don't ever ask people to tell me what they give up, but different ones of us, you know, they'll tell me, hey, Pastor, I'm, you know, sometimes they'll say I'm doing this, that, and the other. Well, last year, I might have been the year before. Anyway, one of the, one of the last couple years, the last year, the year before, Sister Jennifer, she gave up coffee. That was dangerous for Brother Larry, but that, that's what she gave up. I remember, I don't remember which year it was, but it was like, I think it was Monday. We just launched it on Sunday. It was Monday morning. Like 6.30 in the morning, I get this text message on my phone, and she was like, I'm already ready to stop. I'm quitting. Joking, obviously, because she had to go to work. Guess what she didn't get to take that morning? Her coffee regimen, right? It, you get into a routine that things, but it's like you miss it all of a sudden when it ain't there. I hadn't wanted a chocolate donut in forever, but today I wanted a chocolate donut because it was right there, Brother James. It was in front of me. Even talking about it right now, I'm talking about it because it's trying to satisfy the craving of me wanting that chocolate donut right now. That's why I'm really excited about that. Some of you, I don't know what it'll be. Look, I mean, eating fruits and vegetables, I can deal with that. I'm going to tell you right now, after about, I'm going to give myself to Wednesday, Brother Larry. By Wednesday, I'm going to have to avoid and take detours to navigate around any restaurant that sells sweet tea. Because I'm going to struggle when I have to go sit down in a restaurant and everybody's drinking tea, sweet tea and I'm sitting over there, can I get water? Do I look like I want water? I don't look, I, I mean... I know that I'm, I'm swelling up a little bit in the midsection right here and, and I just need to go on a diet. But I mean, I don't want water. I want to be fat and happy and be excited about it, okay? I don't want that, right? Jacob gets to a point, though, he realizes what everything he's been accustomed to having is no longer good enough. That's what fasting will do to you. It will get you into a relationship with God to realize what you've been used to living, how you've been used to living, how you've been used to doing life will not be good enough anymore. Anybody ever had to go to the doctor and get blood work? Don't raise your hand. Just, just nod your head in agreement. If you're like me with blood work, I don't go to the doctor. I, I've, I've, I got a primary care physician. Over the last eight years, I've done one physical. It's not because I don't need to do physicals. It's because I don't want to hear what he has to say. Uh, I'm sure he's a well-knowledgeable man, but ignorance is bliss, and if I don't know I got high blood pressure, I don't have to take your medicine. You know what I'm saying? See, see, see how that works? Okay, so none of y'all are like that. Just me. Okay, that's fine. I'm glad you don't. But here's how I do blood work. You know, they tell you 24 hours of fasting or 6 hours of fasting, whatever it may be. You know, so you're, you try for like the two weeks leading up to, to the blood work. Boy, you eating good. You eating salads, not a lot of red meats. You're doing If you're like me, you go in, they give you the jab, and they stick it in you. 
And they say, oh, we're going to give you the results. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know what you do when you walk to the doctor's office? You go get the one thing you've been for the last two weeks. You find McDonald's and you order four Big Macs. You eat three large fries and you drink it with a Wendy's Frosty. And you laugh and say, if only the doctor knew. Right? But, but, but when he comes back two weeks later and says, oh, well, Mr. Vaughn, I've been, your blood work shows some abnormalities. I don't, I don't know, how, how'd you been eating? Oh, man, doc, last couple weeks, man, I've been doing good. I've been eating salads. I've been eating vegetables. Yeah, but your blood work says you lie. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I only did it for two weeks, doc. I've been eating cheeseburgers the other two months before this, right? It's a commitment. When you go on a diet, it's a commitment. New Year's resolutions, isn't that what it is? Commitment. You know how many people start gym memberships and don't finish their Jacob understood, I can keep living my life the way I'm living it, but the way I'm living it ain't working anymore. And as he's wrestling with this guy, the gentleman says to him, let me go, it's daybreak, it's time for me to go. But Jacob recognized something. He realized this wasn't a normal man, Brother James. Jacob had wrestled with people before. He had been in the fields before. He had been a shepherd before. He, he knew rugged life. He had never met a man of this caliber before. He knew. And Jacob makes one of the most prolific statements that we've ever heard uttered in the Bible. Jacob realized, if I've been wrestling for eight hours with some guy I don't know, and I've been prevailing, and I've been struggling, he can't beat me, I can't beat him, I've had enough, I need to ask him one favor. He said, hey man, listen. You got to remember, Jacob's Jewish, so he understands the power of the spoken word. He understands the power of what we call the blessing. Jacob is the same guy that would lay hands on his children and, and, and to prophetically decree the younger and the older and to prophet prophetically decree their life and put, put spiritual blessings over them. Jacob understood the power of words. That's why the Bible said the power of life and death lies within your tongue. That's why you have to use your word. Blessings and cursings should not proceed out of the same mouth. These things ought not to be. He understood it. And here's what Jacob said. I will not let you go. Until you bless me. He understood the value. I'm not living my life this way anymore. I'm done with this. I've been a supplanter. I've been a deceiver. I've been a conniver. I've done everything wrong in my life. I, it's been a decent life. I've got married. I've got children. I've got cattle. I've got, I've got sheep. I, I've got wealth. I, I've done okay. But I'm not content with who I am anymore. What I've done for so long is just not good enough anymore. His philosophy was, I was, I've been in this fight for eight hours. I've been committed to it this long. I'm not going to leave out of this battle empty-handed. If I've went on this journey for eight hours, I'm not leaving empty-handed. And that's what fasting would do for you. God, I'm wrestling with you. I'm it's like the old adage, Jacob said he had seen God. He had striven with God and man. He's, he's wrestled with God. Man, I, I, I believe that's what fasting does. Fasting changes our spiritual taste buds and goes, God, listen. For the last three weeks, for the last 40 days, for the last however long you do it. God, I've been praying. I've pushed away my little Debbie cakes. I've pushed away my coffee. I've pushed away all my stuff, God. And for the last few weeks, I have striven with you. I have waged war, spiritual warfare with you. I've been in prayer closets with you. I've done everything. So, God, I'm not going to leave here the same way I entered in this place. I'm not going to leave this prayer closet till I hear from heaven. I'm not going to leave praying for my children till I see them saved. I'm not going to stop doing this, God, till I see a miracle. God, I'm still going to serve you, and I still love you, but I will not leave here the same way I entered in. That's why we tell people when they come to church, you don't have to leave here the same way you came. You can leave healed. You can leave whole, because Jesus specializes in changing the story. Jacob said, I'm not going to live it that way. Miss Carol, make your way if you don't mind. I'm not living that way. I'm done. 
But in order to make a statement like that, you better be committed to what you just said. It is better to not make a covenant to God than to make a vow to Him and break it. What are you telling me, Pastor? I'm telling you, if you decide you're going to go on the spiritual journey, don't make a commitment to God here and say, Oh, God, I'm going to do it. And tomorrow break it just because it got hard. Because it's going to be hard. Let's let me tell you, it's going to be hard. Giving up coffee is hard. Giving up my sweet tea and my food is hard. But I'm committed to the end. Because I want God to do things more than just my sweet tea. And more than just my dietary desires and delicacies. I want God to do more than just that. One day I'll get to eat chicken again. One day I'll get to have sweet tea again. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. One day. But I want to see supernatural things more than I want another piece of a breaded chicken breast. I want more. I crave for more. I'm hungry for more than just that sandwich or that drink. But it's commitment. Jacob said, I won't let you go. I don't know exactly if there was any more dialogue other than what the Bible tells us, but I wonder if the angel of the Lord said, are you sure that's really what you want, son? Yes, I won't let you go. Do you bless me? Are you sure, Jacob? Yes, I won't let you go. And the Bible says this, that as the man is getting ready, he pulls back his last time to get away from Jacob. The Bible says he takes his hand and he kind of gives it a jolt right into the side of his hip bone. He just kind of just, at the side of him, just kind of right there. In a medical sense, we would say he dislocated his hip from a medical perspective. He just, and the man left. Remember what Jacob said, though. I won't let you go to your blessing. Are you sure? A commitment to God. Are you sure? Yes, that's what I want, God. I want it, God. I want it. I'm hungry. I'll do anything, God. I'll do it. Are you sure? Yes. I'm in it to the end. I'm running to win this race. I'm in it to win it. I'm in it, Lord. Are you sure? Yes. But you make sure you're committed to it because God may take you up on the commitment. Into his hip. Jacob at first went, oh my gosh, that hurt. Oh my goodness. Fell to the ground for a minute, but he tried to stand up. He tried to stand up and just kind of, oh, let me go check on Rachel and him. The rest of his life, the Bible said he walked with a limp. He never could put full pressure on it without a limp. In fact, according to the writer of Hebrews, with the staff, because the Bible says, staff, at the end of his bed, he bowed his head and died. He was walking with a cane, a proverbial cane. I don't know if Jacob was 40, 50, 80, I don't know. But I know the day he told God he meant business, when God took him up on that offer, Jacob's walk was different for the rest of his life. Jacob didn't walk as the supplanter anymore. He walked as a one that had to depend on God to get him up every day out of the bed. The man who used to get bounced right out of the bed and go sneak out the house and go try to supplant his brother is now the guy having to pray for God. God, help me just to get out of this bed the next day. God, help me. He had to be totally dependent on God because God changed his walk. When you make a commitment to God and you develop these spiritual taste buds over time, you'll start desiring more of God than anything else. And what will happen is your walk will look different. You'll start living different. 
You won't desire the things of the flesh as much anymore because you will covet and desire the things of the spirit world. You might push the plate aside and it may be hard, but you know that the results and the rewards from pushing that plate aside to spend time with God is worth more than that marinated chicken breast you're eating. You'll realize that on this journey, your walk, your speech, your conduct, every, Jacob, every morning when he got up and he had a hard time putting his pants on and he had a hard time getting to the bathroom, brother, brother Mike, to brush his teeth, every time that leg gave out on him, you know what he always remembered? The day it went out. What caused the injury? He always remembered that day. He never forgot. It was a spiritual defining moniker and moment in his life. I've got scars all over my body from sports injury. I could tell you where they happened, what I was doing when they happened, how they happened. Right here, if you were to take your hand and rub it across the furrow of my brow, right here, there's a nodule. Right in this area right here. It literally is about this big around. It's like a, it, looks like, it feels like a ball in my head. There used to be a ball, actually, in my head. That's why it's there, <laughs> literally. When I was four years old, my cousin and I went to my grandmother's house. My cousin's about eight years, nine years older than me. <clears throat> he's the next baby. I'm the baby. He's the next youngest. My grandmother lived next to the Goose Creek Community Center. There's a big field right there. Now they got the big multi-million dollar water park. But used to it was a big field right there by the community center in that area. And people would go out there and they would practice chipping golf balls. Just randomly chip golf balls out there. I guess one day while some of those guys were playing, one of them ended up over in my grandmother's yard. She was always, she had a five-gallon bucket, always finding golf balls. Well, this particular day, he and I were going out there to, pull, to just play in the backyard. And we found a hot pink golf ball. And my cousin thought it was super cool. And he was like, hey, you know Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so that lives right over there on the other side of grandma's house? Credit tells like, yeah, he's like, let's see if we can hit the golf ball all the way across to their house and hit their house. Four-year-old kid, I was like, great, I don't pay for broken windows. Who cares? Let's do it. He's about 12, 13 years old. He runs into the, my grandfather's shed and pulls out an aluminum baseball bat. He said, here, here's my Wilson glove. Put it on my hand. A 12-year-old's glove on a four-year-old's hand just does like this. It's like you don't even have movement of your arm anymore. It just flops around, right? He said, hey, pitch it to me. I'm about from me to maybe where Brother Larry's at. Maybe a little bit further. Four-year-old, I can go, I, all I can, I'm barely, that's about as far as I can throw it, as hard as I can, I throw it like that. My cousin swung, swung the bat, he played baseball. His coach had preached to him all his life, swing level, swing level, you, you, that's how you get the momentum, swing level, don't swing up, don't swing, swing level. He swung level. Level, for a 12-year-old, is about the eye level of a four-year-old, just FYI, you don't want to know, I can tell you, that's true. Because that hot pink golf ball, I remember the ding. And I remember waking up at Trident. That's all I remember the story. The only reason I know the rest of the story is because everybody told me it happened. Because all I heard was ding and I woke up with a doctor. <laughs> because like lightning, my cousin said, that ball traveled about from me to Brother Larry. When I pitched it to him, he had that message. it hit me in the forehead. And the ball from hitting my skull rolled all the way back to where my cousin was standing. He picked it back up right where the other was at. He just picked it up right off the ground. That's how much of a ricochet it had off my head. Knocked me unconscious, completely out. I was out cold. So why would you tell me a story like that? Because all through my life, I can tell you that there's things I remember and portions of my life I remember because of the scars that I bear, the wounds. Every time I, I see Micah come into my house, it reminds me of, of a past life, of things that were not the way they were ended up supposing to be. I'm reminded of things. Yes, it's still, 
It doesn't hurt the pain. Like right now, I can touch this. The difference between a wound and a scar, a wound still hurts when I touch it. The first couple months that I touched my forehead, it was excruciating. Now, I can knock on it like wood and be like, man, I got a little thing up there. I don't, it's hollow. There's nothing in there, but brain included. But I can hit it. It don't hurt right Brother Mike, but it's still there. It's a, it's a scar. Jacob got up every day, and he always remembered what God had done, and he never could forget it. On these next 21 days, what I'm asking God to do for our church, do for you as an individual and your families as well as mine, is I'm asking God to give us spiritual moments that you never forget. Maybe you'll end up walking with a spiritual limp. I don't know. But I want God to make himself so real in Divine divine Encounter 24 that even 30 years down the road when you look back and you say, but I remember back in 2024, I went on a journey with God. And oh, let me tell you, I'm still living off of what God did in 24. That's the journey I want. Commitment, it takes commitment. Here's how I want to close this message. For most of you that know, every time my wife says we're going on vacation with her family, I always check my life insurance policy, make sure it's canceled and can be reinstated when I get back because she will leave me in the woods and not bring me home if she thinks she's broke. So every year we go on a trip typically with her family. And every trip is going to include hiking. Why? Because they hate me. That's why. That's what it includes. First time we went together with them, we went into North Carolina. They were going to walk Balsam Knob. We got about two miles up there, and I started realizing, this sucks. My legs, I didn't have the problems. I screaming, but I was a man. I wasn't going to tell them because I wasn't going to be ridiculed the rest of my life. But I'm thinking, oh, my God, my legs are burning. When they finally sat down for lunch, I thought, that was like an hour and a half ago. We should have done this. It's miserable. And I was sitting there on the side of that top of where that knob was at. My sister-in-law said, well, I think we should go this route. My father-in-law was like, no, no, that's been the wrong route, whatever. Anyway, we ended up going around our elbow to our knee and ended up being like a six and a half mile journey. That's why you don't follow people who ain't following Christ. You just don't follow those people like that. She wasn't watching the guiding star. She dawned on me if I'm at the halfway point guess what I got to do I got it don't matter if I'm halfway or not halfway of six miles is three miles I still got three miles to go back I ain't quit this journey but I still got to go back because at that point I was already committed there wasn't no getting back to my car easy the three miles I walked there is the three miles I got to walk back I'm already committed to this thing last year two years ago about two two years ago I guess now my father-in-law and my brother-in-law decided they were going to go try to backpack the, back, backpack the Grand Canyon with some friends of theirs. Now, ultimately, some things changed, and they ended up having to come home early. We were talking about it not too long ago. He was just talking about the journey. He got about, he, he, they didn't do the, like, nature where everybody does trail. They went, like, down in the ravine to the bottom where no man has gone before kind of thing. And he said about three days into it, he was struggling, and he, but he realized, what, what am I going to do? I'm in this thing now. It's so going back it's getting dark I got to I got to set up camp I got there's no going back that's how God has to be in your life you have to get to a place with God that you're so you can't get there and go this ain't working as far as as far as you walk as far as you go back don't go back just stay on the journey stay on the journey it may not always be easy but it's worth it because on that hiking trip and then we're going to pray on that hiking trip I remember we got to another knob it was a little bit higher and we got to the top 
we discovered down at the bottom there was like this like waterfall type stream whatever down there that was going on or whatever and so we decided you know what that looks pretty cool so guess what we did instead of just keep walking we detoured down and got to see a beautiful little pool that was there at the bottom of the, of the base of the mountain with water and it was cool splashing in it running in it I mean you know what I'd have never saw that oasis if you will that place I'd have never saw it if I'd have quit and turned around and went back to the car because I'd have missed the joy of the journey just because it gets hard doesn't mean it ain't worth going with Jesus for the next 21 days go on a journey with Jesus and see all the beautiful things God does in your life with every head bowed and every eye closed eternal father I've done my best to preach your word today to this people begin to move in their hearts I want to ask two questions and then we're going to pray and I'm going to get you out of here number one is there anybody in this building that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ with the full pardoning of sin that they don't know that if they should die today they go to eternity with Jesus and they want to make sure they're right with God would you slip your hand up if you say pastor I'm not saved today I'd like to just make sure I'm good with God I don't want to leave lost a second question is this with no one looking around only God I'm only going to look just to acknowledge the fact that you raised your hand, but I will not call you out. I will not come find you. I will not, I will not hound you about it. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to call you tomorrow and ask you a hundred questions. I'm going to ask one question. How many people right now are willing for the sake of our church, for the future of our church, as well as for the things that you need in your family and in your life, how many people are willing My hand's already lifted. Say, Pastor, for the next 21 days, I don't, it, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to tell me what your family next 21 days, I'm going to go on this journey with you. And believe God for this church. Believe God for my children, my grandchildren, my lost. If yes, you, you just slip your hand. No one looking. Just, I'll go. I'll go, Lord. I'll go. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. All those hands. Yes, you can put those down. God bless you. Now, listen. I'm not going to hound you. I'm not going to ask you what you chose. But I'm going to ask you to do this prayer. We're going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to commit to the whole journey. Don't quit on day 13. Commit to the end. Give me and God. Don't even give it to me. Give God 21 days of your, your time. Fill it with prayer. Fill it with the scripture. Fill it with Jesus for 21 days. Father, I pray right now for every man, woman, boy, or girl that lifted their hand in this house. I pray that if they made a commitment to go on this journey, God, you give them the supernatural strength to go on the journey. Let them go on this journey of faith, God, believing and, and knowing that you are going to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which they can think or comprehend. And God, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And when they leave this place, God, in 21 days, they're going to have a different taste for the things of God. Spiritual taste buds will be different. Father, I pray that, Lord, tonight as we enter into a camp meeting style worship service, let your spirit come down. Rend the heavens and come down and pour out your spirit in this house. Let people get saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost baptized. Let miracles happen in the room. Not because we want the credit, but oh Lord, we want you to receive all glory and honor and praise. Father, I pray you bless us and keep us. You make your face shine upon us. Give us the peace of passes all understanding. Father, may the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. God's people said amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have our closing prayer. I'm going to ask... Here in just a moment, I'm going to ask Brother Randy to do so. Don't forget that this is the first Sunday of the month, so all first Sundays is Mission Sunday. If you'd like to give.